but I was jokingly disappointed that the prince didn't have a huge nose <laughs> because you know in the animated film his nose was it was pretty big yeah you're crazy. Right. it was crazy big hey what up everybody it's been a little while welcome back to the pop culture podcast uh, my name's Anton. I'm father to Ginny, who turns four years old this December, and Ellis, who turned one year old this week. Woohoo! But you know, for our previous conversations um, in an earlier pod, we mm-hmm. of course did not throw a party for him. So. No, and he's also the second child, so yeah, poor guy. <laughs> now I'm John. I'm father to Malcolm, who is one year old and is walking. And I am equally excited for the NBA season to start as I am the season premiere of Riverdale. Are you a Betty or a Veronica guy? At least in that show. Uh, in that show. Veronica. It's gotta be Veronica, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Okay. Well, anyway, John and I have known each other for, God, over 20 years. And uh, we basically spend all our time on this podcast talking about all the pop culture and entertainment that we've loved, continue to love, or probably will be uh, dumping now that uh, we kind of look at things through, you know, the perspective of fatherhood. Um, but really, we're just kind of getting old, and we're just grumpy. Yep. Especially late at night. Oh, yeah, I'm so tired this week, bro. Yep. Yep. Yeah, as we record at like 11, 11, 15. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. all good. It's a Friday. It's a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Any updates? Not much, really. I mean, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we had a hiatus for a week. I was on vacation. Um, well, kind of not really a vacation. Uh, Tess had a conference in Boston. Yeah. And we decided to... Well, I guess we, as in Tessa and I, decided that I would go and bring the kids and I would kind of watch them while she was at her conference. All right. Yeah. So uh, luckily, we we did have kind of traveling traveling partners. Uh, mm-hmm. Tessa's uh, friend and coworker, NJ, also went to that uh, conference and uh, she and her husband have a five-month-old. So it was... Mm-hmm. Um, it was me and uh, Kent, who's Angie's husband, and we were like the dads, and we were kind of looking after Ginny, Ellis, and um, and Teddy, Theodore. So yeah, that was fun, man. It was like, like um, fun. it was fun. It was it was kind of funny because we were uh, Kent and I had been doing a few little dad dates over the last couple of weeks, and we were talking about the trip, and we're like, oh well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> but, um, but it was pretty easy. I mean, you know, like it's what you'd expect being in, you know, you're, we're in a hotel. So that was great. We're two doors apart, which was yeah. made it, made it kind of nice. Um, but it was kind of funny. It was just like he and I walking around Boston for three hours before we'd have to go back and hand him off, hand the, hand the babies off to, to the moms to get fed. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, Boston is a pretty cool town, man. Was it? What, what did you guys get to do with the kids? Well, we were in, uh, we stayed at the Westin in Copley Square, which is a pretty nice hotel. Okay. And, you know, I don't really know where it was in relation to the rest of Boston, I guess, or mm-hmm. Boston proper. Yeah. Um, but we were right next to the Boston Public Library, which okay. is super duper nice, dude. Like, yeah. Um, they had a huge children's area and we spent maybe like two of the days that, um, two, wait, was it two or three? We might've gone there like three days. Mm-hmm. At least I did. Yeah. Um, oh no, no, no. I'll take that back. No, it was two days, uh, two days in a row to just kind of let the, let the kids play. Mm-hmm. Um, Ginny loved it. Uh, they had like one day where uh, it was like Lego time at four o'clock at four thirty or something. Oh, so right. they opened nice. up like this one little conference room in the back, and they had like all these tables. So it's just long table full of just like Legos. And then on the other yeah. s- and on the side, they had like the Duplos, and it was like it was really cool. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all we really did was just like kind of walk around, um, ended up meeting like, uh, at the library, ended up meeting this mom and her kid. And it turns out, uh, they lived in LA right around the time we were living in LA. Oh, really? In the same neighborhood. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was crazy. So we were just kind of chatting and then, um, I ended up asking her, you know, we're in LA and she said uh-huh. Culver city. And I was like, Oh yeah, well, you know, we were in, Cul- we were near Culver city. We were in palms. And she's like, okay, yeah, we were in palms too. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, where? She's like, do you know the coop pizza? And I was like, Holy shit. I lived right across the street from that place. <laughs> we got in on a Friday night uh-huh. and then we rented like a minivan for a couple of days and yo, we had the Kia Sedona, like the with the, the leather package. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was sick. I'm totally down for minivans, dude. Are you? I would. I would, I made jokes before when we were when we found out that we were gonna have Ellis because we yeah. knew we would need to get a bigger, a second car and a bigger one. And I'd make jokes about minivans, and Tess was like, "No, nah, man, I don't want no minivan." Blah 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 <laughs> blah blah. And I was kind of partly joking, and then uh-huh. we decided that. You know, if we were, if there were going to be basically um, seven of us, we would need one for this trip. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, we rented a minivan. Uh, we got like three car seats in there and, and then the adults. So we were able to uh, we did like a day trip out to uh, Portland, Maine. And the, oh, hey. yeah, the next day we did uh, apple picking just outside of Boston. So hmm. we definitely put that minivan to work. Yeah, it rolled deep in that. Yeah, man, that thing is dope. I like it. Yeah, we're, we're still not on the minivan thing, but we may actually rent a minivan when we go to Seattle in January. I think we're going. Do it, man. 
because uh, it's just it's gonna be us three, and then we're gonna be hanging out with Hung's friends in Seattle. So we may need more space. Right. So you have to take two cars. Yeah. Just do it, dude. <laughs> I mean, I I would probably rock this Kia Sedona like mm-hmm. fully loaded, but um, my eyes are already set on the uh, new Volkswagen Bus, the electric version. Really? Yeah, man. Looks fresh. Hey, this um, Kia Sedona looks like our car, but just expanded. Yeah. But you, you like yeah. your car, though, right? Your yeah, we like too. our car a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for some reason, the Kia Sedona looks a little bit different. Um, I, like, I, I think the body style, or at least the front grill, looks uh, a lot cleaner than... Other minivans. The other minivans, you know. Yeah, it does. There's, I mean, some there's some minivans that just are. I just don't understand what the design is. Yep. Shout out Nissan. Um, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> they did have that cube though, so it seemed like they were maybe trying to. Yeah, yeah. we were. It was between like the Sedona, and then I think a Toyota, and then um one one of the Nissan ones. Yeah. So Kent and I were like, it was hella late at the, at the rental car, and we were just like trying to figure out which one. So we kind of looked through each one, and we're like, ah, eh, this looks okay. And then we saw the leather, and we're like, yo, let's do this. Plus, I know, <laughs> um, Kia has like CarPlay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's pretty dope. Yep. That's the cool thing about being part of like a was it or having a car that's in like a a third tier in terms of brands is that they load the car with extra features. Yeah, dude. I just sent you a link just to for... the, uh, the do bus. So peep that real quick. I was Googling it. Let me get, let me open this. It looks dope. I know. Right. And it's electric. Well, anyway, that's what, um, when we're ready to upgrade oh man that's like hella futuristic yep yeah, speaking of uh, Seattle you're talking about the library in Boston yeah when we were there in April cause Hung was at work so I was kind of doing the same thing you were doing but just by myself we were a block away from the the main library in downtown yeah and they had a large children's space too um i mean malcolm's too young to really was too young to really appreciate a lot of it at that time but um the cool thing that they had outside of like the the story time and other things was that they let you basically without a without a library card they would let you borrow a bunch of the board books oh really just return it i mean i I didn't end up doing that but then i thought that was a really cool cool thing that they would do but yeah i mean uh the boston trip was fun um it kind of crept up on us because you know we were just kind of busy with other things and they're like oh shoot we're going to boston and um we got some good eats um, you know, we didn't really do, oh, and we, we got to spend some time with, uh, some, we, we stayed a little bit after 
a few days after the conference to spend some time with uh, uh, some friends that we have out there and their kids too. So that was really, really cool. Um, nice. Kind of seeing the kids play together, you know. Yeah. Ginny um, uh, basically found a best friend and it was like, it was nice because we just let them play and then we just mm. do do whatever. I mean, we still have to watch Ellis and stuff, but um, it was kind of nice. Uh, that makes those trips nicer. Yeah, you know, and it was weird because I think uh, our friends, Cindy and Will, were like, well, what do you guys want to do? You know, do you guys want to see any sites? And, you know, to be honest, we were just kind of like, well, the kids are having a good time together. Uh, you know, we don't really need to do anything. It's just kind of nice to just watch your kids play with each other and, and just have that experience together and mm-hmm. you know, we didn't need any we didn't need to do anything else so um in terms of like seeking any historical sites or sightseeing and doing touristy stuff we didn't really do much of that but yeah. you know that's fine with me yeah i don't think you're missing much with the tourist stuff in boston honestly i mean i do love like american history and like revolutionary mm-hmm. war stuff yeah but i do too but but it's crazy you know and this is this probably goes for a lot of the east coast uh like the old historical east coast cities and stuff but like it's it's cool to see a lot of brick a lot of brick mm-hmm. buildings yep and they're hella churches in boston mm-hmm. um more than i think I've ever really seen anywhere else, but like, not the just church- though, right? yeah, not just churches, but like yeah. really cool spires and architecture and like stone and you know yeah. really well kept, you know, churches. So yeah. it was cool to see all that. Yeah, yeah. When I was in Washington D.C. a couple of weeks ago, that's what I was rec- recognizing because every time I'm in the East Coast, we see more red red brick buildings right mm-hmm. and that's what we saw coming out the airplane uh, airport i mean and then we got a chance to walk around downtown dc a little bit near the whatever it's called um where all the memorials and whatever yeah, it is it's called the mall right yeah whatever some whatever mall but uh yeah we walked by a bunch of old churches and you know there were the old architecture and just had a different kind of like feel with them. John and I thought that it would be really cool to talk about basically reboots, mm-hmm. film franchises, TV shows, and like I think it was probably you probably thought of this topic because of Beauty and the Beast, right? Yep, I did. Okay, so I watched Beauty and the Beast. Maybe we'll maybe we'll start with um, Beauty and the Beast. But before that, though, like you know, like when you say reboot, mm-hmm. like what do you mean? Because there's there's also remake, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. And do you do you classify them as two different things, or are they kind of the same to you? That's a good question because I was actually after we this we we decided on this topic I was thinking about that and I was thinking about properties yeah and that question popped up in my head too 
like what's a reboot what's a remake if we're you know if we're really getting into the technicalities of them and there are and then the other thing that you mentioned is reimagine in in our notes right or reimagination um when i was thinking reboots initially it was just the just the general remaking of um or not remaking but essentially taking an old property and and creating a new one based off of it okay um but i think there is a distinction between reboot and remake yeah i mean i I was kind of googling around too and just trying to figure out like what what it would be and some people were classifying it as like well a remake is basically just like a single property Mm -hmm. like one movie from a long time ago right that was remade um Mm -hmm. but they talk about like reboot as like a, a franchise or yeah you know for example uh like Planet of the Apes that was like a mm-hmm. movie franchise of the 70s or whatever and then it got like remade once by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. I would say that was like probably like a remake. Right. And then there was the the newer ones with um um Andy Circus. Andy Circus. What's the name of the and uh, James Franco. Yes, but what's the name of the uh, Caesar? Caesar's the Caesar. name of the character, right? Yep. Um, and obviously, like the like Batman, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and it got me thinking, like, well, is it a reboot if they if they tell the origin story again? Mm-hmm. Maybe, right? Like, yeah. I think that, but remakes can do that too, especially if it's only yeah. like one one yeah. movie or one story, right? Yeah, um, yeah I, I would agree with what you saw because then I was thinking about that while I was trying to, as I was preparing, and the idea of a reboot makes a lot more sense when you're discussing a franchise. Yeah, because the the idea is that whatever that franchise is, it's gotten stale or it's gotten really old or there's a a long vision to remake it into a a new trilogy in a sense or a new series of movies. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, the remake would just be essentially, um, the, a single property. Right. I was thinking about that, like true grit. Yeah. Cause there's no, there's no franchise to re there's nothing to reboot. It was just the essence of that story. And it was retold. Um, right. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, and then the reimagination piece is actually, a, a, I think it's a whole nother place. Cause then it, I feel like that, that takes a property and then it just maybe uses 15% of it and then really runs with it. Yeah. That's like, that would be like what we were talking about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Riverdale would be one. Mm-hmm. It was basically taking yeah. the Archie characters, right? Um, and uh, I guess once upon a time that TV show. Well, mm-hmm. no, mm, no, not really, because that takes a bunch of like fairy tale characters. I take mm-hmm. that back. That's just like a weird one. <laughs> um, but you know, I guess for the for the sake of this discussion or for the sake of yeah. this podcast, like, well, it doesn't matter whether it's a reboot or a remake, as long as the property existed before. 
mm-hmm. that that will qualify as um, what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's dig into like Beauty and the Beast. So I watched that yesterday, mm-hmm. and the first right. thing, the first thing I thought of is when I when I uh, saw the title on Netflix was the running time. It was like two hours and like three minutes or nine minutes. Yep. And I'm like, why does this movie need to be that long? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because the original, the cartoon was uh, is under ninety minutes because all the Disney movies ran under ninety back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the first thing I thought. Um, it was late when I watched it, so I was kind of falling asleep mm-hmm. towards some of it, but mm-hmm. I ended up finishing it. And like, I mean, what what were your thoughts about it? Uh, I I liked it. It's definitely. I mean, there's a. Def- this is definitely a remake. Yes, it's not a reimagination. It pretty much, it pretty much just tells the same story, but it adds a little bit of. Well, that obviously adds like thirty minutes of it, which I think relates to their target audience, and then kind of just the bad trend of making movies of longer. Ma- making movies longer for yeah. the heck of it. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that the additions are necessarily bad. I think they they worked well for this rendition of it because it it kind of related. I, I think it. I could see people who want to watch musicals on film mm-hmm. relating it to it more because the added scenes were definitely like traditional musical scenes. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the whole movie is a musical, but there's definitely a lot more of that um, into it. But I enjoyed it. I thought uh, the reason why I wanted to talk talk about this way or I added this to the list like way back was just thinking about the concept of um, if we're going to be sharing, you know, these properties with our kids, what, what would we prefer them to see? And the reason why this one came up in particular is I was watching Beauty and the Beast, the cartoon, which I loved growing up, right? Right. Which I, I loved even past growing up. But I hadn't watched it in a really, really long time. And then I watched it again, and then I was live-tweeting some of it, and I'm like, there's lots of... Uh, there's lots to, to... There's lots of evidence that this was made in the early 90s or late 80s. It was written in the late 80s produced in the early 90s like what uh the stockholm um syndrome issue with mm-hmm. <laughs> with bell um getting locked up and there was like you know uh this total patriarchal hostage situation in the beginning when when beast yells at bell and says i thought i told you to come to dinner right you know um and then, well, that was one of it. And there's just other little other things there that were are kind of problematic if you watch it. Obviously, now in 2017, and I was watching it with Malcolm when he's you know you know more cognitive or um, about some of these issues in maybe three years. I would have a lot of explaining to do. Like, yeah, Malcolm, but... you can't you can't talk to a girl like that. Well, you can't talk to anyone like that. <laughs> Right, but then there's <laughs> very true. Then again, this new version still had some of that stuff. It did, 
but I thought it, at least it addressed some of it in a more they, they tried to add more depth to that process the the whole issue of her being a prisoner and then them falling in love I mean that's that's problematic but at least I felt like in some of the dialogue and the way that she the way that Belle was represented in this film there was a lot more depth in terms of uh, her resistance to it and her her uh, her consciousness of that situation. Yeah. Because um, they even called it out. Like, it was, it was totally self-aware. Like, I'm your prisoner. You want me to go go have dinner with you? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, it To me, it yeah. was, you know, not having watched the original animated one in a long time, it was kind of fun to see the numbers and so the songs mm-hmm. and how they shot it because a lot mm-hmm. of it looked almost shot for shot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought yeah. was really cool like yeah. the one that first stuck out to me was uh, when he f- becomes the beast and he gets all mad and mm-hmm. then they show the painting of the prince uh-huh. and, then, and then the beast like claws it and then you see the claw marks along the face yeah, and they did that in like, yeah. uh, in kind of the live action, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" And then the first <laughs> thing I said was, oh, "I can't wait to see the snow scene." <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, the um, the snowball fight. Yeah, that was pretty funny too. <laughs> the one yeah, thing they... I wish they didn't do though uh-huh. was um, during the transformation at the mm-hmm. end, mm-hmm. give him the long hair. I know, right? That was like super dated. I was like, "Yeah, come on, man." Well, I was fresh. I was um, no, I'm, I'm joking about the disappointment, but I agree with you that they 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 definitely paid. Um, what's the term? But they they basically they basically did a lot of shout outs to original fans, right? Yeah, like you just mentioned. And I was not mad at the casting actually at all. Yeah. Um, the guy who played Gaston was fucking good. Mm-hmm. That was like perfect casting, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it was. Uh, I, I was listening to the soundtrack before I watched the film, and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to. I mean, I knew I was going to watch the film at some point. I'm not really that big on a lot of like the animated or the live action remakes of the animated films. Mm-hmm. But. I knew I was probably going to watch this just because I, I, Beauty and the Beast was my favorite one out of those all those movies. And so I, I was listening to the album on some streaming site or some streaming app. And even though, you know, the people that are singing that cast aren't, are, you know, they're obviously not singers first. They're actors first. Yeah. I got really excited about some of the scenes like um, the Be Our Guest when I was listening to the the recording of it, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be really fun to watch in live action. That's true. Um, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And that that hasn't never really been one of my favorite songs in when I in the animated film. Um, but something about it just got got me kind of excited about it. Well, it was a huge spectacle in the animated film, right? Like, mm-hmm. like every mm-hmm. everything was like kind of happening, and then yeah. But was there anything that, you didn't I, really like about it? 
No, actually, I mean, I think I really enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I thought I was going to be like, okay, it'll be fun to hear, hear and see it, but I um, was digging it more than I, that I thought I did. What I liked, or what I appreciated a lot about it was, um, obviously, it was all filmed on, on set at a studio, but like the, the village in particular... I really like their lighting. Yeah, yeah. It, the production design was good, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about, about you? the uh, kind of like the added plot line of um, her mom, uh, Belle's mom? I thought it was okay. I thought it was. I mean, not okay. I thought it was fine. I thought it. Like, what did it? What do you think it added to the story? I, I think Belle, there's probably a disconnect between Belle and her dad and her character. Like Belle being so, um, she's supposed to be a more modern, quote unquote, modern princess, right? Right. A potential princess. Sure. And there was not much with the dad outside of being really eccentric an eccentric inventor. Right. So it was like um, a, a way to, I guess, like paint, like give more context to his character or. Yeah. I think it, yeah. It adds more context to his character, why he is the way he is. And then also adds a lot more context to bell in terms of like, you know, like the, the idea is that she's this person, she's totally different from, all the other women she doesn't like Gaston. She's a strong-minded, independent person, educated, all that stuff. But why, right? Mm-hmm. Versus well, what's the root cause of her being different than the other women in the... Or other people in general, actually, in, in the village? I was talking to Tess about this yesterday. Then she mentioned that... Uh... You know, the scene where uh, the beast basically takes her back and, you know, that little flashback, whatever that she experiences, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, also serves as a way to, as a device to show that she has fallen in love with him or, you know, just another reason. Right. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, that's, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah. At least I think I feel like the the beast's uh, emotional growth had to. There was more to it in the live action than there was in the animated. Yeah, man, we're we're um, pretty hardcore, dude. Beating the beast, <laughs> beating the beast. Well, so what are you going to show Malcolm? I actually started showing him the um, the animated one, but. I'm gonna show them both, but then I'm gonna have to talk to him. <laughs> I'm gonna have have to have a real talk with him at four years old, or whenever he's watching it. Um, yeah, because it's like, you know, yeah. what what kind yeah. of role model is the yeah. Beast and is Gaston? Hmm. Hmm. You know, the funny thing too. The one thing I did really love about the film is a uh, Josh Gad. I'm kind of a Josh Gad fan. I just I think he um. 
hits his typecast roles really well. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was funny because I think there was like Twitter uproar, which there always is Twitter uproar for everything. But like some people being really mad that he was, I think he was played or written as a gay character, right? The foo. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like it, like he was in love with, he Gaston. was totally uh, friend zoned by yeah. Gaston. And so, you know, people are like, how oh, can they have that? Blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> the response was like, uh, yeah, in the animated film, there was, um, there was furniture that was basically killing villagers. So, you know, I think you need to chill, <laughs> figure, figure out what, yeah, it's like, yeah, you're going to complain about that when there's, like, stuff about Murder. bestiality and um, Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> yep. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Way to uh, die on that hill. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> but they don't see it that way. But, you know. Yeah, you know. No. But, yeah, I, I'm sure he'd actually enjoy the newer version better just because it's... Because it looks real? More color. It looks real, and some of the more recent renovation I don't know, what's it called Renov- not renovations but um remastering of the beauty and the beast looks a lot better than it did when it was on dvd hmm. because when they put it on dvd i think they essentially just digitized whatever the stills were right and then it really showed its age mm. where like the animation stuttered a little bit huh interesting and especially when you're watching it at home on a like a larger screen, um, I really I, I I noticed how how obvious it was that um, like the skipping of animation because they were still using traditional stills. Um, but I think they've fixed it in the in the newer versions because when I was watching it on the digital version, it was still and I, when I watched it on Blu-ray, it was a lot better. Huh. It was a lot more smooth. Interesting. Which makes sense since the software is better now than it was. Yeah, it's, 50, it's 50 probably pretty ago. easy. It's probably pretty easy to just like smooth out all that stuff mm-hmm. and make everything like sharper and crisper and like the colors pop more and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it got me kind of, and you know, we're gonna kind of transition into the next part of the discussion on on reboots and remakes but like Mm -hmm. so now that you've seen like i guess a there there have been a bunch of kind of live action remakes of cartoons some of them have been successful some haven't yeah but since this one was a pretty good one like Mm -hmm. is a particular property you think that would be really dope because of because of the technological advancements now yeah that'd be really dope to to kind of see yeah actually and one of the things on the list was um it's kind of a weird answer because it's already been made but transformers (laughs) yeah i would really i mean i only watched oh actually i watched the first two i enjoyed the first one but i always i never really liked it i kind of like yeah this is fun to watch and you know um what's her face um megan fox megan fox and whatever but um i was annoyed that none of the char- none of the transformers actually looked like the transformers that we grew up with um and i know part of that has to do because they were also 80s designs and they look kind of tacky some of most of them outside of like 
outside of Optimus Prime, all of the other <laughs> Transformers look really dated. Right. But I honestly would rather see them, or at least closer to their original designs than like the total Robotech style Transformers that we saw in the films. Yeah. Um. Shit, Robotech would be. Yeah. Now that you mentioned Robotech, yeah. that Macross saga would be pretty epic. I'm sure that they're probably going to work on that because it's such a big property. I don't know what the issue is. Maybe I, there's. I feel like I keep hearing rumors about like a live action Robotech or e- yeah. even Akira, right? Like live action Akira. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, having recently watched Akira again, um kind of what they did with animation and kind of the shots um that they that they did and how they did the lighting for that Mm -hmm. movie i think it'd be pretty awesome to see a live action version i never saw ghost in the shell i may Mm -hmm. not because of the actually no i'm not that i'm not that mad about the scarlett johansson thing to be honest Mm -hmm. um but I haven't seen Ghost of the Shell in a while, but it definitely looked like there were some shot for shot. Um, it's like some of the shots were like remade in live action, like pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so to kind of piggyback on that question, even if it wasn't a uh, animated property. Mm-hmm. Oh, what would you reboot now? Would I reboot? So Transformers. Transformers um Pet Cemetery. <laughs> really? Yeah, you know, I was trying to think Is it of because like, of, to to kind of jump on that it bandwagon. Well, you know, the funny thing is that I was I Googled it and then um the it director wants to make a pet cemetery uh remake hmm. but I was thinking about it before that I was trying to think of like the, there's a ton of things that you know that could that could work better now but and, and I was trying to stay away from a lot of the horror films that have like hella sequels just because I feel like they just end up getting remade every few years which is fine whether they're good or not but yeah. I feel like Pet Cemetery has um, has a depth to it, at least the first one, that can be done really well with a good, good director without it necessarily just turning into like jump scares. The whole yeah, time? jump yeah. scares. Yeah, like someone who's a really good psychological thriller director and writer and producer, like whatever that team is, they could really do Pet Cemetery well, and then uh, use more recent animation to kind of amp it up a little bit but could still could tell could still tell a story and probably do it slightly better than the original dude i still have like nightmares that my achilles are gonna get <laughs> slashed by someone know, under the bed right? oh, <laughs> yeah I thought about uh, that's always one of those things in the back of my mind. I still see that kid. Yeah, I, do. I see that kid right now. Gage. That, Ugh. Yeah. That was actually the film that bridged me over to horror films. 
Really? Yeah, because before that, I was I would freak out. I mean, I honestly couldn't watch any horror films. There was a Halloween. I think it was eighth grade with a bunch of the friends I still am friends with now that you know. Um, they were watching The Exorcist, and we were at Monica's house. A bunch of them were watching Exorcist in the family room, and I was just sitting on the stairs in the other room because I'm like, I can't watch this. And then um, it kind of made it worse because then I could just hear everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So I pretty much I, I couldn't deal with the whole horror thing and ghost stories and all that stuff. And then at some point I watched Pet Cemetery, probably in summer sometime, and I'm like, okay, I can I'm down to watch some more horror films. What about you? What would be a property that you'd want to see or think that would work really well as a reboot? I actually don't think it's going to work really well, but um, it's something that I probably would want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the Young Guns. Mm. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, but you know, it's like, it's so like late 80s and early 90s. Like, well, no, Young Guns 2 was the one that had, like, the Bon Jovi. Yeah. Um, the Bon Jovi song, Blaze of Glory or whatever. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, they just tried to do Magnificent Seven, and that yeah. was, like, I haven't seen it, but it flopped, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I just love I love the Western genre. Yeah. And if they did, like, a Young Guns, but um, with, like, a super hip director, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, like maybe like old school Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Um, that would be pretty, I, you know, although he did, he did do a King Arthur recently and I don't know if, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he needed like the indie director level of some folks. Cause it, and then part of it might not be the director's fault because the studio makes a lot of, decisions on big pictures right yeah well you know like i never i didn't really watch all of it but like the uh snow white and the huntsman mm-hmm. you know i never really watched i saw some of it mm-hmm. but then it seemed like it was a world that was pretty well realized right like mm-hmm. so i think if there's someone that can come in whether it's a writer uh writer director that really has like a point of view on kind of like a like a story like that. Yeah. Or what about like what about like the outsiders or mm. But I don't know like I don't know pull, if I didn't want to touch. Pull, pulling from those 80s properties is really tough because you know they did Red Dawn, Red Dawn like the original Red Dawn from yeah. the 80s was like one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. Growing up and then it seemed like it would be a good idea to redo it. Yeah. Um because all you need to do is change the enemies, right? Right. Um, I mean, I think Point Break is probably a bad idea. Actually, we should just kind of move into that discussion yeah. right now. Is like, yeah. what are the reboots and remakes that <laughs> were like terrible? <laughs> well, I wanted to say Point Break, even though I haven't watched it. But I was just seeing the trailer for it. I just felt like it was it was hell of not like what Point Break was. Yeah, where I don't even know if it's a remake. That might just be like, that that might just be in that reimagination category where it's like, hey, we're gonna use the name and the property and maybe have, I don't know, 
10% of it reflect it, but pretty much it's going to be a totally different story, which is fine to me, but it's like, then what's the point of calling it that and trying to build a story around it? Um, but and honestly, since I haven't watched it, I can't really nominate it. But did you have you watched it? No, I haven't. Um, I think my other one that I actually did watch pieces of was Karate Kid. That looks so terrible. With uh, Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan. It should have been the Kung Fu Kid. Well, yeah, that's a major issue. Is <laughs> that's well, yeah, they were that's... they were in what? Where in China? <laughs> I don't know. Were... I don't know, but yeah, it was stupid. Yeah, but you know, I was thinking about like Karate Kid, and I feel like I think there's some bandwidth there that you could actually remake it and make it successful in a way where it's it's acceptable enough to original fans and still make sense for a modern era right but then you have to get the right person to hit the tone correctly right yeah well so what would you be more pissed off about like if they did karate kid mm-hmm. like a it's not really a they kind of did it along the creed the the creed plot line right where mm-hmm. they take a character from the original mm-hmm. um who somehow plays a supporting role in basically not quite a sequel. Like Creed is not quite a sequel, right? Right, right. Um, but it's also not quite like a reboot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or a remake. So, you know, Creed went well, but what if they did like Karate Kid where maybe it's, uh, I don't know if I'd want to see Daniel San like, like what did he? What did oh, he? Like, if he was, what if he was playing like the Miyagi role and then he was mentoring someone? Yeah, I mean, I or his kid. <laughs> yeah, is like, are you? Would you be more pissed that they did that or like did something like the Jaden Smith version? Um, I think that I think the tone makes the most sense and I think the issue with the Jaden Smith one was it was way more serious than the Karate Kid I mean yeah yeah, that's the Karate, Karate Kid had some beatdowns and all that stuff and but it was 80s campy right yeah that's true and so and it was also like a teen story like right. we're like high school and romance right. and you know trying to fit like it's that's what it is like it's a fish right. out of water story right like he's trying to fit in right um so probably the jane smith one i mean there's always a little bit of a you're force feeding the story if you did bring in someone to be that the next generation of whatever it is right like if it was daniel son or whatever but well so let's go back to like point break then right so what uh, if instead of a point break remake uh-huh. with that they made but instead, Johnny Utah is a supporting character. Not necessarily right. like the Gary Busey character, but what if like there's something similar? Like, yeah. Um, I think I, yeah, because like John, would... Johnny Utah quits right at the end. Yeah. And then what if like maybe Johnny Utah ends up being the Bodhi character, but not robbing banks, but like spiritually, mm. spiritually the Bodhi guy. Right. 
Yeah. I, I think I would rather have a... I'd rather watch that than... Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it... Yeah, an extension of the, the actual story. Like, it's it's still within the um, the same universe. Yeah, yeah. Rather than just a hijacking of a name. Right, so that kind of would fall into, like, the Creed. Yeah. The Creed thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Robocop was pretty terrible. Was it? Yeah. Seemed like it. Like, I watched... I mean, I liked... The director, I was interested in him because he, I think, he was a French dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. French or Brazil? I forget what he was. Maybe he was a Brazilian guy that was, um, he had like a critically acclaimed, um, I think, series of films. Um, it was like super gritty. Uh, and then I liked Joel, Joel Kinnaman, the main guy. Um, mm-hmm. I liked his work on like The Killer. Mm-hmm. Or the killing, sorry, on AMC. So I was like, okay, that's that's cool. I would, I'd be down for that. But then I watched it; it was kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, RoboCop was bad. What was the bad about it? Um. Well, I guess it just didn't have the subversiveness of like the original. Right. You know, um, and to be honest, I can't even quite really remember yeah. the the new RoboCop that I watched. Yeah. I know they had like an Ed, like an Ed two hundred nine or whatever, but like there were so many scenes in the original RoboCop that were iconic, and then there, yeah. it was like multi layered in terms of like the message yeah. um, that I can see now. But yeah. I mean, clearly this RoboCop remake wasn't trying to be about that life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was just hey, like it's a half man half robot guy like he gets to right. shoot stuff right yeah um, well i i think that might be the issue right like with a lot of reboots they do is essentially they just they make it bigger they make it louder splashier and they also make it quote-unquote gritty gr- grittier <laughs> right they make it darker and a lot of times they kind of miss on that subversiveness and those multi-layers that you're talking about yeah, that's true. Um, or they, they they just completely miss the the tone of it. Yeah, absolutely. They totally did. Um, it sounded like they were trying to do something that had to do with like surveillance or like. Oh God, I can't. I better not even talk about. It. I don't even remember. But mm-hmm. it seemed like it was. Yeah, it was pretty. I was not happy with it i never saw the total recall one either mm-hmm. um i heard that also didn't get great reviews yeah it didn't and i only i didn't watch the first one completely but i think that'd be interesting to watch both of them yeah me too do you know what would be kind of a uh a tight uh, remake mm-hmm. The Running Man mm. I never watched that but I heard it's like a competition right that... yeah it's like a video game okay um, Ooh. I think you're like a prisoner oh, not a video game but it's like a game show sorry it's a game show yeah. it's a game show yeah. Um, 
yeah. Uh, I think it. I think that might work now because. Uh-huh. Well, it definitely would have worked a couple of years ago when, like, um, maybe like five or. Whenever, maybe about ten years ago, when like reality yeah, TV was like super yeah. huge, right? Yeah, and I think they tried to do that with like Death Race, Death Race two thousand, or, mm. or maybe even Rollerball. Like that was a remake too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Hunger Games has a little bit of that too. Oh, you're right. You're right. Hunger Games is, yeah. Okay, Running Man was already remade as Hunger Games. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> Um, another thing that uh, property that I would reboot right now, um, mm-hmm. which is funny because it kind of already is in a different form, but uh, the last Starfighter. Okay. Uh, do you do you, do you remember watching that? I I think I did when I was really young, but I don't remember it much. So basically, this dude does a video game called The Last Starfighter. You're uh, the pilot of a spaceship, and you gotta like defeat enemies in space this guy's the champion somebody comes down from the other planet and says hey we're recruiting you because you're the only one who beat this game or you have the highest score in this game oh, now we're going to recruit you to be a pilot for you know it's in our war against x yeah um but i actually saw a trailer for uh future man on hulu which is seth rogan's mm-hmm. um he's i think executive producing or he's a creator of it Okay. But it's but it's basically this guy who's hella good at video games, and then the people from the future come back, and they're like, <sighs> "Like, dude, you got to help us fight." And he's like, "Oh, I get it. This is the last Starfighter." And then they don't, you know. And I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. All, all I kept thinking about as the the trailer was going on, I was like, "This is fucking last Starfighter." <laughs> and then, of course, somebody, you know, the character calls it out. And I was like, "Okay, cool." Uh-huh. So what what do you think are some other what what are some properties that you think were rebooted well or remade well? Uh, Battlestar Galactica on mm-hmm. sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe that falls under the reimagine. Mm, I mean, it does reimagine kind of. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica, but it's definitely a reboot because the characters are the same and. Mm-hmm. Um, the battle is the same, essentially, right? Yeah, Cylons versus humans, right? Yeah. Um, that was well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say Planet of the Apes, too. The mo- the Caesar, Caesar Planet of the Apes, I think, were really well done. Those are, like, really well-made movies. They are. They're really, really good. And I hated the, um, the Tim Burton one. Yeah, that was weird. When I watched it, I was just... It was just awkward to me <laughs> yeah I haven't seen all of it but I think Spider-Man mm-hmm. Homecoming mm-hmm. is a good one yeah I agree I haven't seen all of it too I was watching it in pieces but it looked it feels it like the lo- tone is perfect yeah yeah like it's the right tone like I, I didn't even I've only watched like a little bit of the Andrew Garfield one and I've mm-hmm. and I've seen like most of the Tobey Maguire ones Mm-hmm. And that you know, Spider Man Two was pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tobey Maguire one, um, but you know, I looking back now at how or having seen how Tom Holland plays Peter Parker, yeah, and Spider Man, 
and comparing it to how Tobey Maguire played Peter Parker in Spider-Man and how I imagine Andrew Garfield would be playing. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't even compare. Yeah. Yeah. I think they eventually got it right because Tobey, I I loved Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 3 was a problem, but uh, Tobey was just too old. And they, they, they wrote the character as too old. And he wasn't as quirk as quippy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so I think they they overcompensated with Andrew Garfield because then it became teen angst, which is part of it too. Because Peter Parker is a guilt ridden character. But from what I saw from Spider Man Homecoming when it was on at a family party, like off and on, it it was look like the spider-man that i would enjoy watching yeah yeah i was watching on the plane Mm. um what about you any any kind of Mm -hmm. reboots remakes that you you want to well you you brought up creed earlier and then you're right i don't think it's really a reboot or a remake or a (laughs) reimagination it's just the extension of a of the original property that just happens to be um, well, it's just an extension, but right. It still tells essentially the the Rocky story. Definitely, you know, um, while being true to a new character, um, obviously because Rocky's still there. But I thought Ocean's Eleven. I never watched the original, but it was, that was probably more of a reimagination than a reboot. But yeah, being that it was a existing property. That's one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven is definitely like is a good match of like style, substance, and just like enter just pure entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I think it set the bar for heist movies for our generation. And then, as we were you were talking about some other thing, I just thought of one is Tread. Did you watch that? I did watch it. I liked it. I was into it. Yeah. I, I didn't... I mean, to be fair, I, I didn't watch Judge Dredd, but there was like... I had no interest in watching Judge Dredd, the Stallone version. And then the Dredd movie I just watched... I think by chance, I think my cousin just wanted to watch a movie. I'm like, hey, okay, let's go. And I had no expectations of it, and I just thought it was hella dope. Yeah, that was pretty dope. Yeah. Um, I want to say also uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo uh, mm-hmm. the Fincher version mm-hmm. I mean we, we haven't really talked about like remakes of like foreign films right. or whatever but that was pretty du- well that's that's also unfair because it's like it comes from a book right it's a Swedish book that was adapted into a Swedish film and then adapted into uh uh an american version but Mm -hmm. maybe that counts maybe that doesn't but you know i think the point is for me what would get me interested in some sort of remake or reboot is basically the creative team behind it right like right david fincher Mm -hmm. that's already a dark story you know, and David Fincher can be like dark as fuck. So, right, it's cool 
you know, it's definitely in, intriguing when when you hear someone paired up for like a project like that. Right. Right. Um, of course, you have to include like the Nolan's Batman, right? Mm-hmm. As like reboots that were well done. Okay. Well, what about like properties that you would never touch? Or, yeah. Like, would be like blasphemous. Yep. Sacrilege to redo. Well, my my main one when I think about this that just glow hits the most is um, Princess Bride. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Yeah, for me, I wouldn't want that to be touched again. I think I think it's it is everything it needs to be in its version now, and um, it's, it's timeless, right? It's timeless. Yeah. For me, I think Back to the Future. Yeah, that's a solid one. Like, I mean, even though it's like firmly implanted in the eighties, like. Yeah, it's like pitch perfect, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that would be a definite like that would definitely have a target on his back in terms of studios. Whatever studio owns it would know that they can make hell of money off of it to make a trilogy out of it, whether it's good or not. What car would you use? <laughs> what car would you use for a Back to the Future reboot? If they- <laughs> what I would use or what I think the studio would use? Uh, what do you think the studio would use? Uh, what is... Well, it depends. Dude. Who's who's paying? Who's paying? Because this is going to be like a product placement opportunity. Right. I mean, that's... <laughs> going back to Transformers, that's probably why, right. like, you know, it was a Camaro. Yeah. Well... Well, well in, the first, in the first one, Bumblebee was a yellow beetle first right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess well I would think that if they were trying to chase, stay true to the story they would try to think of something that's icon- iconically recognizable but also not like a car that only, like a really expensive car it's going to be a PT Cruiser bro <laughs> <laughs> that's a solid one that makes a lot of sense <laughs> I was thinking, like, you know, like, that would probably make more sense to the story, right? Yeah, it would be. Because I could see, I could see, like, you made a time machine out of a PT Cruiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is funny because it's basically a a throwback design from, like, the 20s or whatever, right? Or yeah, yeah. Whatever it was. Um, but, yeah, yeah, if that's that makes too much sense for a yeah. studio to, to use a PT Cruiser for that. I feel like the car that would buy into that would be tesla <laughs> yeah that's what i was thinking too i was like it'd be a, it'd be like a tesla because they're probably trying to create similar technology to that to mr fission or mr fusion mr fusion but the pt cruiser that's a solid one yeah it, it would have to be the pt cruiser any other properties that you wouldn't touch uh or not even that you wouldn't touch but like if it came out you'd ban it from the house and your kids wouldn't be able to watch it until the rebellious teenagers Goonies Mm, good one but you know like Stranger Things is probably doing that already yeah a little bit kind of yeah a little bit I think Goonies for me would be untouchable for sure Mm mm-hmm there's a yeah I I, yeah you brought up Outsiders I wouldn't touch Outsiders 
well, I wouldn't show outsiders to little kids, but <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, I don't know if I could accept the a remake of Outsiders. I guess you might. Some people would say like Top Gun, but they're already doing a sequel. That's not well. I guess sequels different from yeah. You know, we were thinking about like um, this. I was trying to think of like what you know what would be what would be the properties that we could re- that we would love to see remade. Um, and part of the rationale for me is like, what would be like the really bad franchises or like bad like movies that were just bad, although they could have had a lot of potential. Um. One of those movies that I really enjoy, I think, is it's kind of a terrible film, but I wouldn't want them to remake. Is um, Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves? <laughs> <laughs> Robin, you know, it's weird because like Robin Hood feels like it's a bad remake of something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's like no, let's get Kevin Costner as Robin Hood and Christian Slater as like yep. like his like a strange brother mm-hmm. half brother or something um yeah that i do i that, did love that movie though i yeah i still i would watch them that, that might be one of them it hasn't been because it's, it's rarely on tv but like if that was um i would add that to my list of if i was flipping through channels that would be one i'd put on and just watch even though i know that it's kind of horrible the other ones I think I wouldn't want to touch either, even though like there's um it would be interesting to see them and they're not necessarily good movies or like so my, my favorite Nick Cage um my trifecta of Nick Cage films um National Treasure oh oh shoot it's more of a trifecta it's okay I have four of them <laughs> well <laughs> National Treasure I love but then that can be remade I don't really care that would be but Con Air Face Off and Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, that's a, that's like the that's like Nick Cage's prime right there. Yeah, I would keep those. Um, I would keep those versions and not show any other ones. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, well, you know what I would like. You know how like Bond is well, maybe we could put like the Daniel Craig Bond that that might count as a reboot, mm-hmm. just because you kind of got the origin story again. Um, but like, I'd be down for a Jason Bourne reboot, like in mm. five years, ten years. Yeah, yeah, I'd be down. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, I think I would totally be down for a Jason Bourne reboot. Hmm. No. No, I think it'll be good. I think there's a there's lots of stories to tell in in a world like that, especially like if you then just move away from the books, right? You know, when I was thinking about other movies that could be, or I was thinking about Karate Kid in particular. If you get that tone right for a reboot of that, it's like, what if like it was done by James Gunn? Well, the thing about James Gunn particularly with the guardians is like it's like campy mm-hmm. and fun but the thing with karate kid though is like 
I think the director wanted to play that like straight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then it's just unintentionally kind of Comedic. 80s camp. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. So there's an earnestness about the Karate Kid, which we look back on as kind of silly and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm saying that James Gunn couldn't do that. It's just that given what he's done with the Guardians, Guardians properties, that's not what I would that's not what I mm-hmm. see, right? Because it's not serious enough, right? Right. If it was, if if we were transferring the same tone from Guardians, I could see that. Yeah. There was a um, show on a uh, Disney XD for like Tron mm-hmm. that I really liked too, but I can't remember. Oh, really? Um. Did you ever watch any of the Thundercats um, reboot? A couple, I don't know. What? There was one? Five, seven years ago. Yeah. I was, it was, gonna, a, I was actually going to put that. I was like, man, I would love to see like a either live action yeah. Thundercats or like a Thundercats reboot. But I, I mean, that property. One. I think that property has been popping around because obviously 80s properties are always in, in, in danger or in um, prospect of getting remade or yeah. live action but there was a I forgot how many years ago it was I don't know um what's her name uh she was in entourage she was um I didn't watch entourage okay anyways the <laughs> the actress and that and um she played Chitara but it was a mini series. I mean, it was a not mini series, a limited series. So I think there was only like ten episodes or something like that. But I thought that was really good. There was like an anime, uh, GI Joe. Oh, really? A couple of years back, I think it was only available online. But um, it was it's. I want to kind of look for it because it was pretty dope. But it uh, it, it focused on like uh, Storm Shadow and. I guess not unlike the 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 current yeah. GI Joes, but yeah. Storm Shadow and like Snake Eyes or whatever. Oh, but like going back to Tron, there was a show that I kind of got into that I found on Netflix, um, and this was after Tron Legacy came out. But um, it was called Tron Uprising, which was mm-hmm. an animated, which probably falls in the same vein as like Star Wars Rebels. Or Clone Wars, where it mm-hmm. it's a separate story within that world that they might have like overlapping characters, mm-hmm. um, but that was pretty cool hmm. because uh, you know what they did in the animation, like the whole look and feel just seems to be perfect for mm-hmm. um, the way that the you know like what you can do in animation creates a look and feel that's like perfect for that for that story hmm. nice I haven't heard of it I don't I, I didn't watch the film either yeah, or the original or the remake yeah the old one is the original is like pretty dated yeah um have you watched any of the Voltron on Netflix I haven't I think I started to watch like some of it and it felt 
a little too campy or a little uh-huh. too like kitty for me and i was like yeah which is weird because star wars rebels is kind of like that but yeah. and, and Clone i couldn't wars. get in i tried to watch it, i couldn't get into it i might try it again but that'll be fun as live action for me like if they did the original voltron original voltron live action yeah That'd be pretty dope. Maybe they could slide that into the um, the Pacific Rim franchise, <laughs> <laughs> and then and Power Rangers too, with yeah, <laughs> Power Rangers, yeah, Pacific Rim. Uh-huh. You know one one movie that could re- totally re- be be remade and turned into a franchise now that we have better um, CGI is Street Fighter. Yeah, but let's just stop with that because I mean every iteration is just not good except for the anime <laughs> series. The anime right. series was dope. And um, Jean Claude Van Damme's guy was just too good. You can't top yeah, that. Yeah, you can't top that, dude. That's just masterpiece. You can't top his rallying. But speeches I think stuff, so. the thing with Street Fighter that's limiting is like the characters are cool but uh-huh. the fact that they have to like actually fight each other like yeah. there's only so many plots that you can you know do like they tried to do something with the original Street Fighter film and like mm-hmm. that was pretty bad yeah one of the dopest soundtracks though <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember it it was a uh... It was like executive produced by Sway and Kick Tech. Wait, so, are you serious? Yeah, so it was a pretty much it was like total like underground hip hop. Um, it's a total underground hip hop soundtrack that outpaces the movie in terms of um, in terms no of quality way. and longevity in a sense for people who like hip-hop obviously right so they had um you know those, the pandemonium song by farside yeah that's on that um they had uh the first collabo of saphir um exhibit and razkaz that was on that cd or that album also mc hammer and Dion sanders did they have it on there that's what Wikipedia says. Track ten. Yeah. Well, I skipped that one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bums um, song on there, dude. But, yeah, so that's crazy. It was, it, was a, it was a dope soundtrack. Kind of like unassuming for a film like Street Fighter, since it's such a mainstream property. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. Huh. Yep. My mind's blown right now, bro. <laughs> Paris is on there. We could skip Hammer and San- Deion Sanders, obviously. <laughs> what you been into the last few weeks, man? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two main things. One is 
my norm, which is wrestling. <laughs> There's been two pay-per-views in the past two weeks. Um, so I've been watching a ton of wrestling the past couple of weeks. And then one thing in particular that I don't know if I've talked about it before, but obviously we know wrestling's fake and it's well, it's choreographed. All right, those right. physical acts are real, right? But one of the most compelling things about wrestling when I'm watching it is just how how they set each other up and the epitome or the 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 number one responsibility that all of the wrestlers have is making sure that they keep the other person safe, hmm. even though they're performing these moves that are supposed to be quote unquote hurting them or killing them. Right. 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 Well, slaps are real. Sometimes not punches are real, but like certain things are real. Obviously some of the submission holds can like legitimately hurt if they applied it properly. Right. So the recent pay-per-view is the hell in the cell. And so whenever you do a hell in the cell match, which is basically a cage match, but then a, it's, it's instead of the cage just being on the ring, it's surrounding the whole ring and you can't get out unless you open the door or climb through or whatever. They've done different variations of that. But whenever you do a hell in the cell match you, or whenever there's a hell in the cell match, you can expect the wrestlers to go pretty deep in like big spots in terms of physicality and the violence of it right and pain and the pain yeah because then in the lore of wrestling you don't do a hell in the cell match with just a regular opponent you do a hell in the cell match with someone you hate right <laughs> it's supposed to be okay. like a it's supposed to be a culminating culminating match to a feud right so and one thing in particular i was watching there's a tag team match and then um one of the moves was someone was going to basically be dropped or thrown from the the ring apron to the floor. And then one of the other wrestlers was going to run underneath that person that was getting thrown and also put his knees up. So basically kind of like um, kneeing that person as a... So adding the impact to it, right? Yeah. And... I was really kind of interested in how they did this and I kind of re- rewinded it or I watched it, re- the replays because that's a really dangerous move in two fashions is one if the the wrestler on the bottom who's go who's running in last minute the, putting up their knees if they don't do the fr- the they don't um frame themselves properly or protect the other person properly one, their next, their legs are going to get jacked up, right? Because right? you're going to have like 200 pounds directly on your knees, right? And two, you jack up the person that's falling on you, right? And so, you know, watching wrestling for years, you, you know how they brace themselves and like there's um, there's proper technique, yeah. But so for for something like that, that's so dynamic and last minute, like it's you know it's a really precarious move. And it was really cool just to see how um, how well timed it was, where the guy essentially on the bottom threw up his arm, so that that was the first impact was across the shoulders, because essentially that's usually where people would fall 
you know, like power bombs or slams. Right. The the place where they they teach you to fall is like on your shoulders, back, flat back. Throw your arms out so that you hit the, you know. Yeah, yeah. But in a move like that, you have there's no other thing to brace you. You don't have a ring to brace you. You have who the person underneath. So yeah. Anyway, that, I thought that was interesting. Um, but I like the craft of it, obviously, other than getting caught up in story, the silliness of it and all that stuff. But I just like seeing how, how really good the great wrestlers are at their craft. Right. Um, and executing a, a stunt like that without either one getting like severely hurt. <laughs> And so the other thing that's been taking up a lot of my time is uh, I got a Nintendo Switch. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I wasn't sure if I, I was like, I'm not going to get one, whatever. But I really, really, really wanted to play the Zelda game. And how is it? It's super dope, man. I honestly have only played maybe three hours or less of the of any other Zelda game, and it was that one for Wii. Um. <laughs> Not that I didn't like it, I just stopped playing it. But um, the cool thing with the Switch, obviously, since it's a handheld, I could just play it. If like Hung's watching something, I could just be sitting there for two or three hours playing this game, <laughs> um, which it's been. That's what's been happening. So I got it last week. It was used, and then Zelda finally came in. I bought that separately. So I played it for, I think, a total of like six hours on Saturday in two different sittings. And then took a break on Sunday and Monday and essentially like Tuesday through today. Well, I didn't play today, but um, I've been playing at least two hours a night. And I might be a little slower than actual gamers because I t- I, I, I'm take my um lots of caution in what i'm doing and i'm the same last... way dude that's why I like yeah it takes me forever to finish games but last two nights i haven't really been i mean i i did progress a little bit on the quest but then i was just kind of running around trying to look for weapons and just doing other things um throwing bombs into the lake so i could or the river so i could fish <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty dope like the graphics are really nice the um I'm getting used to the gameplay of it. It's there's so many different kind of things that there's so many questions that I'm googling everything because I'm not a gamer, so I, I need to cheat and find information. <laughs> um, what have you been into? <laughs> um, well, I'm still trying to get the, because of the vacation. Haven't really gotten through Vietnam War, but I'm uh, almost done with that. I think I. Um... Most of the way through episode eight, still compelling, man. Just yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, haven't really been watching a ton of stuff recently. Well, because of vacation, and uh, actually picked up a like a freelance gig, which requires me to work, um, do some video editing at night. So, mm-hmm. um, haven't had much time, but I'm kind of into sneakers again. Um, yeah. 
in Boston, we visited a couple of uh, really cool uh, sneaker shops, one of which mm-hmm. is called uh, Bodega. Hmm. So on the outside, it looks like it's uh, kind of like a New York bodega um, where you go in and there's like a whole bunch of different types of items that you could buy, like a little mini mart. And then you go towards the back and then the soda machine basically slides to the left and it walks through and it's like this really cool sneaker shop. Nice. Um, so that was pretty dope. I mean, most of the stuff in there is like, too expensive or too fancy or whatever but um i kind of have my eye on these um adidas i think they're called inikis mm-hmm. um so yeah i actually we went to the like the new balance corporate corporate store or like the flagship store yeah um in boston because i think they're based out of there and um i picked up like a pair of like their version of the the Adidas Boost Ultra Boosts or the the Boost line, um, so they're pretty comfy. So yeah, I'm kind of getting into sneakers a little bit again, but primarily this this Adidas one looks pretty fresh. Um, it does. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, man. Uh, Is this Ultra Boost like the two hundred dollar shoe? Yeah, it's pretty dope. Yep. But yeah, these Anikis, I think I'm going to I signed up for like their uh newsletter and you can get 15% off. I haven't I haven't used it yet, but I figured I'd just sign up just so I have it just in right. case. Right. <laughs> um, let's see anything else that I'm into. Um, I think you listed the rewatchables uh, mm-hmm. on there, but I've I've listened to a few of them too. The ones that we talked about last time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you told me to listen to the "You've Got Mail," mm-hmm. and you know, I, I appreciated it. I appreciated it. I could I could see the arguments for sure. Do you have you watched "You've Got Mail"? A long time ago. Okay. Um. But well, yeah. I watched it. I watched it a lot, so it, that's why like it hit. <laughs> um, the Titanic one was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I I kind of was into that one too. Um, the Point Break and Speed one were great. Those were just they were really just great. You want to go into demo ones? Yeah, sure. Right. You want to go first? Yes. So um, I'm going to start with something that's um, a little bit more somber so that Mm -hmm. we can just kind of finish it off with something that's a little bit lighter. But um, yeah, so the past couple, when I was in, when we were in Boston, I found out that a really good friend of mine had passed he's only mm-hmm. 41 um and so it was kind of tough to kind of swallow that information in in many ways like i think my friends and i were talking that it didn't really feel real right. until like this week um when there was like the viewing and then the funeral was on wednesday so right. you know 
so it was the viewing was held at a church um it uh for those of you guys who uh kind of grew up in the bay area and identified with being an asian american you probably know who kai was the the music group out of union city so the founder of the group ac lorenzo he was the one that passed away he's a good friend of mine mm-hmm. um so he was beloved he's like the nicest most mm-hmm. positive dude you could ever meet yep. um he you know like i wouldn't really consider him like a, a best friend i think he was a good friend but mm-hmm. you know like he definitely had like best friend qualities right right um and he probably would be if like if i saw him more right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but anyway, like he was beloved. And then you go to viewing and you kind of see, like I, I went by myself. Um, I didn't, I saw a bunch of kids there with their parents. And I get it. Like, you know, you're a parent. Maybe you don't have anyone to watch your kids, so you bring them. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they've already had conversations about, what they're doing there at a church where they're what's what's that box in in the front and who's that who's that and why is he not awake or you know like in the midst of obviously the morning that's that i'm going through Mm -hmm. i kept thinking about this right like you know what if Ginny was here like would i bring Ginny? like what do i say and You know, I it would I didn't come up with any answers, but you know, thankfully I don't I didn't have to at that time, right? But it's just one of those weird situations that I know I'm going to have to deal with as a dad moving forward, right? At some point, something Mm -hmm. like that's going to happen. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of weird, um, just to see kids there, and you know, they don't some of them know. Some of them right. don't, and they're just kind of just doing their yeah. thing. They're just with their parents, or you know, seeing their cousins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always, I always wonder like what what kids are thinking about. I remember going to a funeral for my, I think my mom's mom mm-hmm. when I was really young, and I remember like walking up to the casket, and I think seeing my grandmother at that time, but. Um, I don't think I was thinking anything like I didn't I I just don't remember so maybe I don't remember actually yeah um maybe it's four or five I don't know so the thing is I don't I'm not sure if I remember it or if I'm remembering what my mom told me about that time right you know what I'm saying yeah um yeah, so, yeah, it's just, uh, oh, and another thing, too, is the committal ceremony, committal service, um, he's in a, uh, the casket was placed in, in the mausoleum in the, in, in the cathedral in Oakland. Super nice church, never been in there mm-hmm. before, but that, mm-hmm. that place is super nice. Um, so that happened on the same day as ellis's birthday first ellis's first birthday right so it was weird 
like you know normally for for any birthday we're just for me like for me you know i'm my mind's fully focused on that mm-hmm. but just having um you know the, the kind of essentially the funeral and then the birthday the same day it was like so distracting that i it's hard to focus on the fact that it was like my son's birthday right mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and you know i couldn't make it to the funeral ceremony or for the funeral mass because I had to take Ginny to gymnastics. <coughs> uh, you know, I mean, I could have canceled or whatever, but it, it's it's weird because there was this, I felt like this obligation to make sure that I keep the my life and like, you know, the kids' lives like in a certain state of like normalcy and part of that same routine right right and and maybe that's you know maybe that's also a part of like my way of coping with mm-hmm. the like handling the the death or whatever right like yeah I, I don't know what it was but you know i decided to just um miss the mass just to make sure jenny could go to the her gymnastics class which she missed last week because of vacation and was so excited to Go back to go back to right like mm-hmm. um so yeah it was like it was a really weird couple of weeks or like week span um right uh, of all this stuff uh yeah. so that was like a huge like super impactful dad moment that kind of like pulls you in different directions right um yeah and the tough one yeah yeah, it was it was it was it was a tough one you know it's like it was nice to be around like my friends um who all you know have shared really great experiences at really great times with ac so it was nice to just kind of be together and you know you Mm -hmm. you kind of take definitely taken for granted um the fact that we're all so close but never really see much of each other yeah like that group of friends right yeah um and it's it's unfortunate that it's instances like these which kind of bring you together mm-hmm. um but you know it is what it is and you know you just try and make promises or keep promises to to kind of get together more regularly or whatever right right um yeah definitely a mix of emotions like this week and you know uh, it's kind of a relief that you know you you go through kind of the mourning um and the sadness or whatever and then after the after the burial or whatever there is a sense of relief right like obviously yeah. you're still sad but at least like that part's over uh-huh you know, and then you can just really focus on just kind of like moving on and getting back to the, getting back to like your life as, as normally as possible. Right. Um, so the other dad moment, um, was I, I, I brought my camera. I tried to, I recorded some footage for pop culture, uh, vlog. It's hard though. Like mm-hmm. to just do it like a travel vlog, right? Like, 
cool, man. I'm going to bring all my stuff. I'm going to just have it with me so I can just like pop it out and, <laughs> and, and do it. But like, there's a kid to watch. There's like a kid that's crying. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll work on editing the video, but, um, it's, it's pretty hard. Like, so those, those people who, who do like those like travel vlogs with their kids, shouts to you guys, man, because sometimes I'm like, I ain't got no time to be recording anything right now. I just need to make sure that my kids are warm. They're fed. Right. My, mm-hmm. They're fed and like, they're not crying. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So those are, those are some dead moments over the last, last, last couple of weeks. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Um, I have a few, but before we get to that, I appreciate you sharing that your experiences. It's um, not really easy to talk about that stuff, obviously, because you're still it's so fresh and you're still dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but um, it also helps to talk to people, you know. Yeah. Like, it's. I didn't. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was gonna go say. Go I was gonna say that it was like uh It was hard because. I found out basically at the beginning of the trip, like early in the trip. Right. So there was a lot of, uh, not misinformation, but like, right. Right. There was the news that came out and then it was just like, wait, is this real? Like what, what's going Mm -hmm. on? And then Mm -hmm. it was kind of hard to come by. Then, you know, by the middle of the trip, we were, the news had kind of broken and, I think all over like a text chain, we were just like trying to react to it and, and whatever. But, you know, again, like you, you could, you have to compartmentalize a right. lot of this stuff because we're on vacation. Um, you know, you got to do other stuff and yeah. maybe that makes it easier to compartmentalize, you know, maybe yeah. it would, maybe it would have been harder if, if we were, everyone was at home, but right. Because you had a reason. I mean, you had a reason to be doing something else. Yeah, yeah. And keep your mind on something else. Um, it's also helpful that I have a podcast where I can talk about this stuff. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't. I, well, I, I was like, okay, I don't want to record until you're ready. So I, I, that's why I didn't even bring up the podcast. Yeah. Um, no, and I appreciated your note. That, that you sent out too but yeah. you know it's you know a, a, a part of it was also being able to talk to talk about it and, and I think it's yeah. important you know the funerals are you know when when sad news like this happens and you know it's like a, a friend that's basically in your peer group mm-hmm. um, and you're a dad it hella puts things into perspective. It does, right? You know, I'm like, holy shit, how unhealthy am I? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you you th- you start to think about your kids, mm-hmm. and you know, like, holy shit, you know, I got to make sure I'm around for as long as I can be, you know, right? It's like yeah, real, not- real life stuff. It is. I think about that because it's like, you know, he's, by the time Malcolm is what, <laughs> in high school, I'm going to be, what, 50? 50, 
yeah. plus. Yeah, and we're not we're not as young as our yeah. as as our parents were when mm-hmm. when we were you know. When, so. Yeah, I don't want, and I don't want to be I don't want to be hindered to keep up with him, you know, and be be there fully, you know. Yeah. Think about that, but I have two, and one of them is um, just being at this point in life with a kid that poop is just normal, you know. Like obviously, changing diapers from the get go. Yes, what you're. That's what status quo is, right? But you know, you don't think about examining poop. <laughs> Like with eyes, picking at it, potentially smelling it as a normal thing until you're cha- you're responsible for someone else's life and changing their diapers and that, making sure that their poop is cool, right? That's very true. So <laughs> Malcolm's been having a mix of issues, like with like constipation this week and um, diaper rash, and then he threw up. A bunch of times yesterday and um his he had like two or three epic poops after the vomit so i think there's something that he ate it he's not allergic to but just didn't really settle with his stomach properly yeah because it seemed like some of the food that he ate just kind of went straight through him um but yeah poop is just normal that's one of my dad moments that you know like i'm <laughs> Picking through, I'm like, oh shoot, is that blood? I thought it was blood, and I'm like, oh no, it's just a tomato. <laughs> I don't. I was like, are you sure it's tomato? I'm like, you're not gonna taste it though, right? I'm not gonna taste it, yeah. but it was like, I'm like, yeah, he did eat tomato yesterday, and this is a pretty, you know, fleshy part of a tomato, so yeah, it's a tomato. <laughs> Um, and not blood, so that's a good thing. Right, right. Um, and the other thing is, so Malcolm loves dogs, right? That's good. Like every, every time he sees dogs, he points at um. We were at our friend. We were at Art, who was the guest of the show, friend of the show. Um, we were at their house the other day this weekend, and they have a German Shepherd who right. is like the most chill dog ever. Super chill. Um, he was hella having fun with him at some point after he kind of warmed up. Um, to, like, totally pointing at him, touching his nose. Bochi, their dog, was hella cool with it, licking him, sniffing him. And so he has, like, this funny noise that he makes when, like, there's a dog around that he wants to touch, and it's, like, really cute. But, you know, what I was thinking about is... Um, I'm not scared of dogs anymore, but when I was younger, I was really scared of dogs. And I'm not sure if I was scared of dogs from the get go or something bad happened as a child. I don't remember. Um, but this idea, you know, like we all as humans, we we have our hang ups and we have our biases and we have our fears and stuff. And I think as parents, we probably don't want to transfer those fears onto our kids. Right. Um, sometimes you can help it can't help it like right like with like a right. bees around like everyone says just stay still not me man I'm trying to swat that thing away <laughs> and right. you know Ginny's gonna see that and like oh daddy's scared of bees so right you know maybe I should be scared of bees and that's what I should do but you know yeah no that's exactly the point is like people don't really 
I think most parents don't want to transfer on those fears, but sometimes you just can't help it, right? Yeah. And so um, I just thought about how how intentional it is that like we have to really be conscious about the things that we transfer on in terms of those kind of things, like those natural fears. Not right. natural, but those fears that could naturally pass. Like if I'm if I'm nervous around dogs, then at some point Malcolm might pick up on that. Or if I'm right. nervous around yeah. dogs and always pull him away from dogs, then at some point he's probably gonna be like, Maybe I shouldn't be around dogs, right? And so it's a I have to keep conscious of like, okay, being um remembering that I, I want him to to be open to and experience a lot of different things and not necessarily carry on any apprehensions I might have. Right. Um, and it's not so much about dogs, but that that's kind of the catalyst for that thought process. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for uh, this episode, episode 13 of the Pop Culture Podcast. Uh, just a quick reminder, check out our vlog, even though we haven't posted anything on it lately. Uh, I know I keep saying that I'm going to post some stuff, but um, I, I can't keep this stuff on my hard drive forever, so I should probably edit it soon. <laughs> I have one too, so maybe we'll try to post two of them this week. Oh yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, add us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Pod. Uh, also, shout out to uh, those who are doing good work uh, for the victims uh, of the fire in the North Bay. Uh, donate if you can. Uh, in particular, uh, there are many parents with kids and babies that are uh, in dire need of clothes, diapers, um, whatever you can. Uh, it's crazy. The, the stuff the fire stuff that's going on like you see footage and it's like it's like uh terminator 2 judgment day like legit and it's like california in a big city so that's crazy mm-hmm. um also if you feel so inclined please subscribe give us a sweet rating yeah that'll help on behalf of john this is anton pop culture podcast signing out Looking from a window above Like a story of love Can you hear me? Came back only yesterday Moving farther away Want you near me? All I needed was the love you gave All I needed for another day And all I ever knew, only you And all I ever knew, only you